We're not coming back from this one. Just one of them nights. Not hoping hell. What the fuck is going on in this game? Fuck in hell. Don't stop believing. Welcome to Tales from the Eastland episode 141 and it's me Gary P, of course, the prof, Carl Riley. We're going to keep it under 45 minutes today, Gary. Under 45 minutes for the Invincible podcast that is Tifty's Tales from the Eastland. That, that's pure lie. The interview itself is probably about 45 minutes. <laughs> we, uh, we are still sponsored by the fantastic Lotion Electrical and they are uh, once again looking after us they are really good check them out Ocean Electrical and Google them or get in touch with us and we will look after all your electrical needs we're going to review a mad FAI Cup quarterfinal tie against Finn Harps and look ahead to Sunday's semi so uh, Prof loves a semi so we have an interview with RT reporter and lifelong hoops fan Sam Manta Libreri who uh, looking forward to this one Prof yeah she was excellent this is uh, highlights from our documentary interview so the the full footage is even longer, but I've managed to condense it down to what I think are, are were the best parts. So I hope she she thinks I, I did that justice. And can I just put it out there that the one time I'm not confident <laughs> that I think we get anything out of a game was last weekend. I just thought two 0 down. We're up in harps. The weather, the rain, the circumstances. So I apologise to the team and the players and Brad's out <laughs> for my total lack of belief. And you know, if you listen to the show, I believe we're going to win every game and come back from every deficit. But for some reason, I just, I, I don't know. I just didn't think we were going to do it. And listen, I put my hands up. I got it wrong. Totally wrong. And you were confident as well. You were confident. You thought we'd get one back and we'd, we'd, we'd crawl, like we'd get somehow. It was actually the start of the game. I was panicking. I was like, oh my God, look at these conditions. Harps are playing well. This is going to be one of those nights. But then when it was 2-0 and I was just in shock, I was like, right, depends when we pull it, it back. It does, doesn't it? If we pull it back before the hour rather than the last 10 minutes, I think we can come back. Yeah. And we won't have to go long, which we don't normally do. We trust the process. But the whole, do you ever notice, I know Shells did it in their last game against Longford in the playoff, is they'll go long and direct and up their tempo for 10 minutes. So glad you're getting relegated here. Start of the second half. Maybe do it from the from the get go. You know they <laughs> kind of lumbered around and it was terrible. But um, yeah, so we'll have our condolences as well. Unfortunately, the footballing colossus and legend that is Diego Armando Maradona has passed away at the age of sixty. So um, this is something that has passed us by as football and fans prof because mm. we would have been possibly too young to experience him in his, in his prime mm. and it's something that we'll regret for the rest of our lives more. and um, it's just we've never got to see him I, I really do envy anybody who saw him in his prime and they were mm. of age to watch him do you know what I mean the only time I got to see take him take it in only time I got to see him live was 94 World Cup and obviously he was well past his best then 94 well, always reminds me of Romario yeah. Where he runs up to the camera and screams in it. Wasn't he off his head on ephedrine then? Pretty much, yeah. I think he was, yeah. He had some sort of crazy drug inside him. 
But yeah. it's it's a uh, it's solved. He's far too young. I Not think him. he possibly still in the job as well. Possibly the manager of someone. Yeah, he was. That only happened a couple of months ago. He took over some club. A Poss- lot, lot of cocaine memes going around. Yes, a lot of them. Yes. But, like, listen, uh, um, um, one thing I will say as well is the rags are out in force as well. The typical Brits. And uh, it's absolutely yeah. horrible. Let the man rest. See, that one front page was the hand of God calling them a cheat and all. Did you see the headline of the, I think it was the star. That's the, the one, yeah. The one that says the second best footballer of all time has passed away. The first headline in the paper. The second best footballer of all time has passed away. Even when he's dead. But you know what? He still managed to overshadow Banks. That's just gutter journalism. In his, in his death. Yeah. I think there was some sort of anniversary for for Banks. Or Shilton. Oh, Shilton, sorry. That was in... Shilton, wasn't it? I think it was he in Maradona's some, book. <laughs> he had some sort of anniversary yeah. even to, on the day he died. Yeah, he said he, he didn't turn up to uh, Shilton's testimonial. And the reason he gave was because... Because he's a goalkeeper. I was like, who goes to goalkeeper's testimonials? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But no, even the death, the date of his death was some sort of commemoration for Shilton. It was like a 50-year anniversary of something he did. Oh, I know what you mean. Or yeah. something. Yeah, and he yeah. still overshadowed him. So even yeah. in his death, Mar- Maradona is an absolute legend. Jesus, hold a grudge much. Ah, oh, stop. Unbelievable. So, uh, we'll talk about Jacko and his appearance for Ireland. He had 12 minutes this time for Ireland in the nil-all draw at home to Bulgaria in the Nations League. So Graham Bork and Aaron McInef remained on the bench as well. We were all willing them on mentally to try and get them a cap and another cap for Borky and a debut for McInef, but it wasn't to be. And I think being in the squad and on the bench alone is an experience though, isn't it? I wasn't expecting them to come on. Uh, even even Jack Byrne coming on, it was looking... Like wishful thinking because I suppose the priority was not get relegated from the <laughs> Nations League, so I got twelve minutes. So, but uh, and even in those twelve minutes, like, did you read that article? I think it was Sports Joe about the impact he has when he's on the pitch for Ireland. Yeah, not just when he's on, not just when he's on the ball and he himself is creating things, but the players around them play better. They make more clever movements they know he has the chance don't yeah. they they know he has the ability to do what he can do and cut open defences so they'll probably think oh, I could take a chance on this run here Jacko could put me in he actually elevates all the players around yeah. him but per- apparently Kenny is too hung up on the things that he can't do <sighs> rather than what he can do it just reminds me of the whole Wes Hulahan thing again like the, the excuses Martin O'Neill used to come up with for not playing Hulahan crazy isn't it it's it's purely a, like he is seen as a luxury player, but they're low. Like imagine looking at someone who's so so good, and then just thinking to yourself, oh, can't play him because he's bad at this or he's bad at that. But he's extremely good at something else, which is an, an attribute that we need in the team at the minute. Bit of creativity in the ten row, and he's saying, no, I'm not gonna play him. Well, the myth used to be that he can't run, well, but that has been blown out of the water. Yeah, totally rebunked or debunked. But, uh, yeah, so seven games with a goal, uh, which is shocking. So, yeah, seven games with a goal, and a couple of resident Cork City fans were telling me that I think this is only one goal. I think Duffy's the only one who scored. Yeah, Duffy from a set piece, so basically the same as So they before. have to scrap it. Imagine collecting that award. It's like the one, it's like for turning up. <laughs> it's like the, when you finish last in in the race and they give you a medal and a bar of chocolate it's like we said last week more red cars than goals oh unbelievable did you get the best red card actually we didn't mention this last week but uh, I hate how they messed up our under 21 qualification because we were on the verge of qualifying there 
And because we had so many withdrawals, Kenny called up some of our best under-21 players before a crucial qualifier. Who we got? Parrott, Malumbi? I think so. I think it was those. And then we lost, I think, was it 2-1 home to Iceland? Yeah, yeah. Like, we've never qualified before for an under-21s tournament. I think that should have been remain priority. And considering he came from... Over a friendly. Yeah, he came from that team as well. And so he... No consideration there, a bit of bit of hindsight, a bit of but on a hindsight and air part, but he uh, he could possibly could have just thought to himself, okay, these guys have a massive game and they need their best players. I think the patience is still there for Kenny though. I mean, everyone can see that he's been squads have been totally ravaged. I think like Randolph was probably his only uh, player from his starting eleven in that friendly. It's it's a tough tough task he it's has on Will he be given the time ultimately? Do you think he'll be given the time to mould and sculpt that team into the yeah. football and uh, team that he wants to turn it into? I believe for at least two years. You think I, so? I think he should be there for three or four. But even that moves on to the next issue is the video, the f- fiasco that is. So he showed them what did he show them in the name of the father was it or some sort of con- montage of? Uh, well, it was it was two and a half minutes of of football footage and a half a minute of like political sort of footage or movie or whatever so it was kind of it was a nothing story but uh, the the Brits the tabloids the right wingers got up in arms about it which is only going to make Kenny more popular yeah yeah, very true do you think it was possibly one of the British born players in the squad I mean who's the leak who's the leak yeah well we know it's not Alan Kelly he uh, came out and said enough is enough yeah I was enough, thought he was enough an is enough where have I <laughs> where have I heard that before that's you saying not me yeah but um, yeah no I don't know who the league is I don't know let's let's go through the team who, was it? who have they got who are the Britborn players of Christie Cyrus Christie who else have we got Arthur he's British born as well well it was supposed to be wasn't Arthur trouble before wasn't it supposed to be a senior member of staff quote unquote that's why I think a lot of people jump to conclusions about Kelly but interesting enough anyway yeah but uh, Pat Pat Flynn was on fire that day, yeah, wasn't he? He's the man, isn't he? <laughs> when he gets a, when he gets going on Twitter, he is yeah. unbelievable. You'd worry though, wouldn't you? Leak in the dressing room. It's all sound very Rovers twenty. Yeah, he's only in the door. It seems like they're trying to instigate his downfall already. Unfortunately, yeah, it sounded very Rovers twenty twelve. Did didn't it? I think. What did you say last week? They got the Rovers Kenny instead of the Dundalk Kenny. <laughs> yeah. But Stephen Bradley, it was his birthday. Who was Bradley? I'm going to say 36. Ooh, I'm to look it up now. We're not far off, but He was 32 when he took over. So So he's 36, 36, 37. 36, yeah. Fourth season, yeah. Uh, yeah, so we're still here, you know, celebrating life in the post and he's winning leagues and cups <laughs> of Rovers. He's, he's we're nearly on par with you. A bit ahead of us. Yeah, so happy birthday to Bradzar and he was suspended for because of sending off at Shelbourne. So, uh, yeah, big happy birthday to Bradzar and we went on to beat Finn Harps for him, for the for the Bradzar man for the birthday present and 3-2 on Bally Buffy last Friday or Bally Buffet mm-hmm. depends on uh, what part of part of Ireland you're from the pronunciation. What ne- way would never you say? In, never in Dale, okay. Bally Buffy or Bally Buffet? Bally Buffet. Bally Buffet, yeah. It's quite sophisticated. Didn't someone tell you directly or maybe it was Dunster? That they actually wanted to be pronounced Buddy Buddy Bofi Buddy Bofi, yeah, yeah. There's a there's a bit of a there's a civil war rumbling underneath the <laughs> the workings there for that deep in the center. Of deep funny in golf. the center. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, yeah, so this game was nuts, right? Absolutely insane. And I think I had to where was I? I had to leg it out to work just before half time. And I think that's when I sent that voice message. And I was kind of watching it. <laughs> I won't say how I was watching it in the car, but um, I'm thinking to myself, "This is we're fucked." <laughs> we're fucked that's what I thought there's no way we're coming back from this look at the pitch look what's going on everything around it is going against our favour but we'll talk about the penalties in a few minutes two changes from the last outings we Lafferty and Finn came in for Cabinet and Marshall like we said the conditions were absolutely horrendous like nuts yeah I mean look at the the rain on the camera the cameraman had to keep wiping it every so often you couldn't you couldn't see the the game some of the time it was that bad absolutely insane and the fourth goal came from a slip well it, who was the, who was the left winger that did extremely well uh, Foley Foley was yeah. that, that's the centre half no Foley Stephen Foley I'm thinking of but he was brilliant he did excellent out on the left lovely ball in Grace slipped and McNamee was very composed in the weather and the wind and the rain yeah. slotted the ball to the right hand corner so I mean I was thinking to myself okay Rory maybe Grant be grand. The, bit, bit of a the shock. The ultimate Dublin saying, be grand. Bit of a shock, but we'll, we'll come back. And I thought to myself, right, okay, we'll get back into this. And then, this looping header. Who was marking him? I can't even remember who was marking him. I was too busy baiting the phone off a wall. Well, hang on. Before you even talk about the goal, we're, we're in possession here, right? So we go a goal down for 15 minutes. And then on 21 minutes, we're, we have the football. We're looking comfortable. Lee Grace gives the ball away. Then he's panicking, trying to make up for it. And at this stage, McNamee is out near the touchline. Yeah. No danger. And gives away a totally needless free. And this is the free kick they scored from. It was it was very soft free as well, mm. wasn't it? It was just floated in. It was a and it was taken by Ryan Connolly. It's a new low for the club. Who has nine toes. <laughs> nine toes. So I can hear Carl Kearns yeah, shuddering. His head is exploding. But the, the, I think the the manner of the header as well really frustrated me as well because it yeah. was a free header and it was no power. It was just kind of floated back into the corner. Who was challenging there? Was it Grace again? <sighs> I think, I hope not because if, if it was then it would have been a hat-trick of, it was quite of an, woe. quite an odd header. It was a strange one. It just kind of went in and I was like, did, did that just go in? I was like, is that real? Where's the foul? I'm looking around going, ref? Ref? So That's that's the most shocked I've been watching the Robbers game in yeah, quite a he, yeah. while. What what do you do? And it's particular in the cup, like so. You can understand maybe mm. in the league because we've won and it's over. But well, uh, before you go in or any further, there, uh, everyone at home, of course, uh, sat down on their computer or their phone, uh, having a Guinness or maybe a Bulmers in hand to uh, to watch the game. Except for one, Mark Turner, who decides during an FAI Cup quarter final. I think I'll get my hair cut. How, how did he do? He, he so but who was his miss? <laughs> Where did he get his hair cut? He put up a selfie. It was like just he's getting his hair cut during the quarterfinals. During the game, what type of decision is that? A decision I make is not the best. To, to be honest, I presume he has an eye on the game during the haircut. But yeah, still, you want to be yeah. madman, absolute madman. It's the north side. I don't know about anyone else's stream, but mine mine stopped quite a few times. Yeah, mine was poor all around the time of the penalties. <laughs> And then the lads in the chat would be ahead of me. And then I'd be reading about it ahead of time. So that whole form and spell was crazy enough as it was. But Absolutely with the, with the stream stopping, it was a bizarre moment. Like, 
few minutes. So I think even like at one stage I was just thinking, get this to fucking half time. We need to get this to half time, big time. That was the scary part. Harps were still good. They were pressing at two nil. They were. Looking it's not good. like they went two up and then we just like rallied back immediately. They were still the better team. Yeah, and I was thinking to myself, these are gonna get another. I think they had a chance as well. But um, yeah, so like half time, two nil down, and the subs came. Yeah. The hook, as he says, prof. No messing from Bradzer. Bradzer, he got Pico on for Grace, and who else got yep. the hook? Who did Cabo come on for? Cabo must have came on on the left for Lafferty. All right, yeah. So we got the hooks, two yeah. two hooks, and a few people backed us at seven to two. At half time. At half time, that's a yeah. nice price in fairness. Is, yeah. Dundalk and Bowes fans slagging us at the break, and then promptly deleting their tweets. Yes. At full time. <laughs> it's a beautiful thing to see. Will they ever learn, Gary? A beautiful, beautiful thing to see. This is very it's, Dundalk-esque, isn't it? This yeah. behaviour, this comeback. Dundalk of a couple of your favourite Dundalk teams. They thought we were fooked. They thought it. It's the hope that kills you. But the penalty as well, we'll talk about the first one. And, uh, right, we had three, didn't we? So the first one's on 51 minutes. I'm trying to think of the fell. It was a shove on Liam Scales. Oh, yeah, the penalty all day. Penalty all day, in my opinion. It was absolutely pointless for him to do that. Absolutely, it looks, looks soft, but but you put your hands on someone and you push yeah. them over in the box. Ultimately, it's a free. But I wouldn't be crying like you know, referees. It's a fix now that it's just it's just a foul. They put it this way, right? Let's say there's a ball cross. Let's say it's a kick out, right? I'm a centre half. You're a striker. Ball's in the air. I push you to the ground with my hands and head the ball. That is a free. Yep. Why is it any different in the box? Why is it? Why is it more debatable in the box? He got his hands, he put them on Liam Scales, and he pushed him inside the box. That is a free, that's a penalty. There you go, break it down, layman's terms. So McAniff steps up, goes left, keeper saves with his legs. Did the old classic leg out, and it could have went anywhere. But we got very lucky, and then mm-hmm. I think it was a scramble, there was an all, almighty scramble, and I'm looking at I'm just there going, oh, what is going on? There's rain everywhere, there's muck, I'm looking in, the, the fella's trying to wipe a screen, <laughs> cameraman, it's just not happening. And then I think the the, the commentator is like, it's, it's another penalty, I'm there going, no, not, no way. I think a lot of people thought it was being retaken. That's what I thought initially as well. Yeah, and we, there's no way this is another penalty. And it turns out it was. I heard a handball. I didn't yeah, even it was, see it. Finn tried to chip it back in. And your man had fully extended his arm. So, can't have too much to complain about there. No, no, you can't. If you put your arm out, it's, it's going to be a penalty or a free, isn't it? And, and then McAniff slots it home, prof. Very nice penalty. He went right this time and he buried it in the corner. Very, very uh, nice penalty. A ball to steal, by the way. You have to commend him for that because he'd missed one like just previously and he was forced to grab the ball he's like yeah no yeah take it funny enough we were only debating this in the chat maybe a few days earlier aren't we about the same player stepping up again after missing the penalty and I mentioned Martin Palermo Martin Palermo missed three penalties in one match once for Argentina in the 1990s I think he's Bocca's all time leading goal scorer he could score for fun he was another championship manager gem some people don't agree with the, the same player stepping up again but Oh, it depends. It, do, it depends, doesn't it? If they, they feel like they mm. can step up and that's your designated penalty taker. I, I don't know. If they, It depends on them. It depends on how they feel. If they're like, no, I really want this, I think I'm going to do it. If you go back, I think, 
I don't know if it was started this year. No, it was the previous year, 2019. I think Dylan Watts started as our penalty taker. Yep. Although I know McIniff took the one uh, against Derry in front of the sales stand. But I think that may be because Watts wasn't on the pitch. So I went back to Watts and then he missed one against Harps. And so because he missed, it went back to McIniff. Yeah, I don't. I can't see anybody else taking them. But Jack, was Jack on the pitch? Jack was on the pitch, so I'm surprised Jack didn't take it. Maybe it's uh, McInnes been decided penalty taker. I think he is our designated penalty taker. He scored in the cup final, sure. But um, so then, fifty-five minutes. This is a, this is Stonewaller. Third penalty in four minutes. You ever heard of such a thing? Stonewaller. Jack was well around him. Diced by him and then the the trail in hand. That's yeah. Now this is Graham Burke. Oh, Borky was it not? Was it not uh, Jack Bourne? No, no, Graham Burke. Oh, Graham, so Borky went yeah. around him, and he tried that before. Remember, and he missed. He, like, well, we the were... thing about this is we've only got one angle, so we can't really see. I, I think he's. I think he's looking for it. Either way, I think he's 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 left a foot in there, yeah. and he's hoping for the contact. Dig the heels into his arm there and just fall but, over. Uh, yeah, again, we've only one angle, so like, how do you even, how do you determine this? But uh, I think he was looking for it, but uh, so McIniff goes right again, down low, keeper guesses wrong this time. Keeper had been arguing with the ref for ages before this one. He was going mental. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a bad keeper. Yeah. But then when that went in, I just thought, we're winning this. <laughs> Tone cho- totally yeah. changed. So, as you can imagine, a lot of hatred for one Rob Hennessy at this point from uh, Finn Harps. Even their Twitter feed got bitter about it. They were like, stop the count. Stop the count, yeah. I was surprised uh, the two boys didn't go from Ollie. Ollie stayed on yeah. the pitch, didn't he? Stayed on the sideline anyway. Great quote from Dan Fulham. He said, Mitzi would have taken the fourth penalty. Yeah. <laughs> he's, uh, he's got a record up there already. So that's two all, and then we started to grow into the game. And uh, Borky Prof on seventy two, we got a bit mm-hmm. of luck with this. I thought with the finish, went in off the keeper. Bit of luck, but great ball by Cabo. Cabo, he's on brilliant. the he's on the touchline here, under pressure, and he clips it right to the back post. It's a brilliant cross. And in the end, is it possibly an on goal by McGinley? I think it was because. Um, it was going away from goal, wasn't it? And he knocked it in. So therefore, it is. I wouldn't goal. say it was going away from goal, wasn't it? I mean, but to pay, to, like it'd probably be harsh to give it as an own goal because the mm. only intention he had was to strike it on goal and score. So yeah, it changed the direction of the ball like a lot, but but the Cabo was was a great sub. Like he he made a big difference in that second half. About ten minutes earlier, he'd whipped in a great cross for Joey as well. Yeah, and he had a diving header that went off target. Uh, there was another one where he cut inside from the left and hit a good shot so yeah Cabo was excellent it's brilliant to see him back to his best and uh, we look forward to seeing him in the next game anyway as the lads were saying imagine the scenes if we had a crowd there oh man do you want to the 3-2 up and Finn Harps in the quarterfinal of the cup oh. like you'll hear my stat in a minute first time in over 20 years we came from 2 down to win and we weren't there it's a sickener <laughs> Right, so uh, yeah, three two up, and then Finn decided that he was gonna transfer it to the Harlem Globetrotters Jeez. and uh, do a lot of trick shots. This was a stonewaller. This was more of a penalty than the other three combined. I couldn't believe it when it when it happened. I was thinking to myself, "Oh my god, this is we're fucked." And then it didn't happen. I was like, "Oh, 
what is going on here? There's no way he missed that. How did we get away with that? Oh, it was unbelievable. Fiend the Harlem Globetrotter. So they did have a later rally then. Yeah, um, it was. I, I, I don't think we we're ever gonna, ever gonna concede there. We thought anyway. Couple of nervy moments. Uh, Manus actually spilled the ball from a corner right at the end there. Um. So yeah, now some some nervy moments. I think there's a great shot at that where he spills it. Their keepers getting up for a header as well, and mm. Joey is just staring up at it. Oh, I saw that. That's yeah. the one, yeah. <laughs> like Joey is just seeing God or something. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it is. He kind of looks Italian. In it. So yeah, um, that and then the keeper, he uh, McInerney failed with his lob from the halfway line. Keeper got up well yeah. with Manus actually. Imagine he had completed his hat trick oh, with that. Wow! Once again, imagine we hadn't been there. But performances overall on the pitch, prof. I think I was happy, very happy to see Calvo play well. Come on, yeah. Um, Grace was poor, unfortunately. He had to be whipped off. He had a couple of other good performances, but I mean, you have to be happy with the way you're into the semis. There's no no other way around it. Is that the first time our bench has looked? Uh, I mean, ominous. No, I mean we have. We've got a few goals recently from the bench. Like I think Greener got one. But there's been games recently where you're looking at a bench and like there's a lot of young lads on it. It's like Lua and Nugent and Murphy and stuff. This is the first time in a while where it's like, well, we were able to bring on Pigo and Cavo and I know, change the yeah. game. It's great. Great stuff. Squad's getting totally stronger. But as for performances, uh, I know F got the Maloney treatment on Facebook, didn't he? Yeah. I think what inspired it was the... The birthday message he made for for your son Jaden. Yeah, and he's he's just one of those guys that's bought into it totally. And he even responded. I showed him the message, showed him Jason's message. And he was like, "Geez, that's unbelievable! Like fair play." And once mm-hmm. you make it into uh, Jason's Jason's words, yeah, you, you know you've made it. Yeah, balls of steel, seven of steel, balls up. of steel. So three uh, times, and we'd seen it already, had we? I mentioned the dairy panel. He did the panenka that day. Yeah, against, against his old club. Yeah, a little bit of a dig there, but, wasn't um, The word of the day was character, wasn't it? Unbelievable. That's 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 it. Yeah, that was the buzzword going around, wasn't it? And uh, good show, actually. Someone mentioned last year's quarter final in Galway. You had to come from behind that day. Oh. That was at the grind. That one out. What a game that was as well. We didn't do it easy by that day either. No, we certainly didn't. Let's hope we can go on to win it anyway. Yep. So, prof, we have some comeback stats. This sounds a bit erotic. <laughs> Well, we hadn't been two goals down since our last domestic defeat. That was 3-2 to the dock. September, wasn't it? September of last year, yeah. It was the first time that we were that we recovered from a two-goal deficit at half-time since a three-all draw in Waterford in 2003. Jesus, people were talking about that three-all draw, mm. weren't they? Yeah. So what happened that day was we went 2-0 down at half-time. Then we went 3-0 down. But then they had a man sent off after the error mark. So then we pulled three goals back, made it three all. Then we got a penalty in the last minute. Ah, oh, fuck off. Which Trevor Malloy missed. Missed? So we could have won it. Walking so. Billy boy. It's the first time we've recovered from being two goals down to win a match since we beat Drogheda 4 2 in the Lancer Senior Cup tie at oh. Park. In 1997. Jesus. I've never done it since then. 
And of course, the start of the season is that Pico Lopez has the best pass completion in the league this season. That sums him. That sums him up. That sums his progression up as a football player. If I said to you that in 2020, Pico would have the best pass completion in the league, would you have just slapped me in the face? Slapped you right in the face. In the face. Definitely. Without a doubt. That's unbelievable. <laughs> That's what a stat. Every player. Every player in the league are, are just rovers. Oh, any, any player. That is outrageous. Yeah. There should be a trophy for that. And this isn't just a load of sideway passing. <laughs> yeah, this is him advancing with the ball and looking yeah. for prodding passes, yeah? Ah, oh, stop. Fucking hell. I'm Congrats sure playing to them were sideways, but yeah. I mean... <laughs> it's still a pass, isn't it? Still a lot of them were, like you say, advancing. Like, they, they were meaningful passes. So, Pico, the evolution continues of Pico Lopez... Uh, so Dundalk beat Bowes 4-1 at Daily Mount in the other quarter final that night and a picture was taken celebrating the winning of the coveted, the coveted plastic laundry basket what, did it, what I called it Le Wash Basquet <laughs> what else have we got yeah. if you look at, I'm sure if you look at Wikipedia trophies won uh, post Stephen Kenny it's like League 2019 FBI Cup or no FBI Cup sorry we won that League Cup United Union uh, whatever that other competition is oh the Super Cup and then La Wash Basket spelled with a Q <laughs> La Wash Basket did you see McElhaney's face? Uh, no what was his face like? he's just like he's just looking at it as if to say are we fucking serious like highly decorated footballer won everything there is in the game and he's looking at them all jumping around celebrating a quarter final like they won it I zoomed in on Face to see if anyone was like saying this is stupid but I didn't know it was anyone I heard that uh, he had a surprise for him at the end of the game I heard he, had, he got them all a bag of jellies and that's what it was <laughs> so it was he was going summer camp style on them again so when they found out they were like yes but uh, McElhaney didn't like cola bottles so, <laughs> so that's the, why he was upset so Dundalk won the laundry basket meanwhile Bowles after six years Keith Long's tenure one Leinster Senior Cup best stat as well best outside Rovers non-Rovers stat so the revolutionary football colossus behemoth that is Keith Long has won a Leinster Senior League trophy Leinster Senior Cup trophy in six years and he'll cite his part time club and he'll say they only train this and they train that excuses excuses prop at this stage mm-hmm. Huberman and Ben Four more years of it though, so four more years. Yeah. Happy with that. Huberman and Ben Cleary, I must say, expertly winding up Bowles fans on Twitter. After ben Cleary result. is fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Did you see his most recent one on Twitter? Where yeah. he said, Does anyone know how I can get like this stone wall <laughs> into me header? Like I don't know what's going on. And you click on it and he's like, Oh no, I got it done and it's just Finn handling the ball. <laughs> It's just uh, excellent. excellent. He is a ultimate wind-up merging. Yeah. Ultimate wind-up merging. I get good crack out watching him and James Lowe. Two two expert yeah. wombs. James Lowe, who nearly quit Twitter recently. Really? I encouraged him to change his mind. I said, no, you are made for you, Twitter. Yes, you are. Yes, he is moulded and sculpted to be a wind-up merging on Twitter. Yeah. Really? What, did he find it toxic, was it? I don't know, I think you just said he'd had enough for that yeah, time. Yeah, I can, I can get, I can get why people would feel like that. It can be a bit much, and then there's a lot of, there's a lot of um, 
attention seek and there's a lot of toxic comments so you can understand that but Jamesy keep going you're giving us a bit of a uh, comic relief so yeah and we're moving on to our potential opponents are officially announced opponents on Wednesday Sligo beat Derry on penalties after a nil all draw so uh, possibly the worst penalty shootout in the history of penalty shootout you took the words out of my mouth that was shocking so, a couple of really casual step ups and just like shot wide and off the post and all pathetic attempt uh, I, I don't know and we're hearing the spot was poor but listen I just I don't buy into that at all it's isn't a penalty so that the attacker can have an advantage for a foul that's on them so obviously it's a penalty shoot and that's not the case but come on like it's there's no excuse for some of those penalties they're really really poor what do you think of uh, is it Murray is like hop and skip <sighs> the Jorginho Jorginho off Chelsea does that yeah and it's it, it it fucking does my head in. It's like um, didn't someone do a Penenka? I think it was Adamola Luckman for Fulham, and it was the ninetieth minute. No wins on the board this season in the Premier League. And oh, I saw this. He yeah. did a dink, and it did me out money. It did me out about the score. That's why you missed because you had money. On yes, it. it's about the score. Did me out of that, and in the ninetieth minute, he did a Penenka, and I think the keeper just caught it. So that's that's the type of thing you're looking at. Like the jump and the skip one. That I love penalty techniques, but that one is we do a little jog. Obviously, you can't see me. I always assume people can see me. I'm pretending to take a penalty, and you jump, you skip, and you strike the ball as your right or your left foot lands on the ground. Yeah, it's stupid. It's absolutely mental. I want to see someone take a good twelve yard run up and sprint. That's what I want them to bring back, and just well wallop the thing. Well, you did. Oh. Center half, Julian Dix. There you go. Remember him? <laughs> Stuart Pierce, Julian Dix. Who else walloped their penals? Hmm. They're two, two stonewallers. They're Stuart, Stuart Pierce and Julian Dix. They absolutely walloped Stuart their penals. Yeah, you think of the one against Spain in Euro 96. <laughs> yeah. He buries it and it just screams. Um, but, uh, yeah, but a couple of those penals, like McCormick blazing it over. Um, I don't know if it was a junior or someone else. Junior, just, I think it was. Just jogging up as if he was playing in Stanaway Park. Yeah. Nothing wrong with Stanaway Park. Yeah. Yeah, so that's it. We know who our opponents are and it's Sligo at home. And Prof, what is the date and time for that game? Uh, it's this Sunday. 2pm at Tata. Oh, So, uh, we could be in the final. God fucking help the venue that has to stage that final if we get into it. Uh, I missed this, but it was actually confirmed as the Aviva. Really? Yeah. So, uh, who who won't see the Aviva again this year? Uh, well, the Aviva opened 10 years ago, Gary. Uh, and there is one particular club who have yet to see what the inside of the Aviva looks like in any shape or form because they've yet to qualify for the National Cup competition, which is annually uh, held in the Aviva. And that is... Bows. <laughs> Little history lesson there. Thank you very much. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah. So we know who it is. So two p.m. this Sunday, and it's the big one. Two p.m. It's excited already. Props. So I go home. Will be tough. Who play four four two at times? They play your man Jesse Devers out left and Roy Junior on the left. They bought a striker. They're playing him on the mm. left. Coughlin is having a good season. He'll be good. Uh, John Matten is back as far as as far as I know. He had a bad injury. Uh, they've, they've Regan Donnellan they've, they've some good players Alan Cawley in the middle 
some good players that make it tough, but I think we'll have enough at home in particular to do it. But we'll talk about our predictions they've in a while. They've been away from home yeah. since the restart. I think yeah. they've got like, well, I know they beat them dark on the last day, but until that, they had only beaten Derry. That was their only away win until Dundalk. And do you know what else plays on minds as well? Is the fact that they were unbeaten and we were league champs and we're cup holders. Like That's the thing. The teams will come and they'll be like, we cannot make a mistake here. Mm. So they could affect their game plan where they might think to themselves, okay, well, we can't take the extra risk here. Or It, it would be very, very hard to break that mentality of players mm. being ultimately nervous at playing against a really good team. That's the way it is, unfortunately, with this with this mentality, and it's a very very hard mentality to break. And we're not taking anything for granted, especially after what happened <laughs> no. in Donegal, because anybody can beat us on their day. But uh, there's just no fear at the moment with Roberts. No, it's great, isn't it? It's amazing to watch. It really is. It's a joy. But we will move on now to our uh, interview this week, and it is Samantha Library. Uh, yes, just just to explain this. Um, this was for the documentary. So, I was sitting miles away from the microphone. Her microphone was attached to her. So, I, I was recording my questions on my phone, thinking, okay, when I use this for the podcast, I'll insert my questions into the interview. Okay. For some reason, it didn't save. So, you're not going to hear my questions. So, what I've done is, I've put in a little transition noise, so you know that we've moved on to a new topic, and I'm going to tell you what we talked about, and that is, I asked about her first game. Oh, I like this style. So it's mm-hmm. you're not in it. No, it's sort of chatting away. So I like this. So in case you just think Samantha just rambled on for half an hour and I didn't get a word in, that's not what happened. So I asked her about her first game. I asked her about playing at Martin Stadium from ninety nine to two thousand one, because that's where we actually recorded this interview in the stands at Martin Stadium. Uh, I asked her about being a female fan in the League of Ireland. Her favorite ever Rovers players. Uh, the first game at Tada. And the Real Madrid friendly. Uh, Modena, which she went over there, working for RTE. And then at the end, my last question is about her son going to the games now. And joined the Hooper, uh, joined the Junior Hoops. Aptly named Finn, I believe. Yeah, she, she talked about that. Uh, and then that extended into a bit about her cup final story. We always, oh, we, the best bit. We love the cup final stories. So, so yeah, here's Samantha. Um, my first game was in Daly Mount Park um, against Bowes in the 94-95 season and um, I was 11 years old and it was um, just off the back of I suppose getting on the, the football um, bandwagon you know with the Italia 90 and, and World Cup 94 and um, I enjoyed watching football with my dad. Um, he hadn't been to a Rovers game in years because uh, with small children and life just getting busy um, and the fact that Rovers were um, not playing um, uh, in the same place so I never I was never in Milltown um, so Dalyman Park was my my first uh, first um, arrival at Shamrock Rovers so I went um, to the game and I the, the main thing I remember about it was the atmosphere um, it was just, you know, all these grown men, including my dad, shouting their heads off and using language that I wasn't unaccustomed to having watched my dad watch football at home. But it was just kind of the wildness of it and the, you know, um, the fun of it and uh, the atmosphere. It was kind of intoxicating. And then um, 
I remember, I, I, I don't remember who scored the goal, but whoever scored the goal that day jumped up onto the cage um, and the crowd surged and we were standing in the terraces and dad had to kind of grab onto me to make sure I was all right. Um, and that was it. Like after that, there was no going back. Um, the, the, the games after, like after that weren't as um, exciting, but it, you know, something hooked me in on that day and that was it. Um, 1999-2000 would have coincided with my run-up to the leave insert, so I would have been about 16 or 17 years old at the time. Um, and so I would have still gone to matches, maybe not as many because um, I should have been studying at the time. But I remember we'd, we'd been in Talca Park and that was kind of, I suppose that became my natural home ground for, for, for most of my early years of being a fan. And um, then coming out here, I mean, it just didn't seem right to be playing football here. I mean, it's an athletic stadium and um, you're quite high up and far away from the pitch. And um, it just, you know, it's kind of almost distracting to be here with the, you know, the running track and, and kind of knowing that football didn't really fit here. It was just, you know, it, it, it wasn't what it was made for. Um, but I remember as well the crowds and it's funny that we're here on a day like today where it's grey and it's raining because that's my memory of most of those games and um, I remember we'd sit here in the stand and there wasn't very many fans, there'd be a couple down there in the terraces, um, a couple sitting up here and I always remember Shane Robinson's family, he just started playing for the club, um, they used to sit up here behind me and my dad and it felt like we were the only ones here, you know, and there had been, it felt like there had been more people in Talca Park, but by the time that we were coming here, that we were kind of at our lowest ebb and that there wasn't very many people on board and it was the real diehards that were left here. And the football was pretty poor at the time. I mean, we had a great team and we had um, some great players, but, you know, I don't have any great memories and that, you know, I don't, you know, there's a lot of games where, I look back and I'd struggle to remember the score lines, but I'll never forget the 6-4 defeat to Bowes here. Um, and down the road, there was a some sort of kind of glamour tie taking place with the Dream Team team at the time. Do you remember that? But I remember, I remember every goal being scored. I remember the, you know, the disbelief that this was happening. Um, and it was probably one of the lowest points of that particularly low time. Well, like being a little girl as I was when I started um, going to games, um, like it, it did feel strange because there just, it was just very obvious that there wasn't any um, other girls there. Now there were a few and it's funny, I, you know, I can remember their faces and still see their faces because they're the ones that are still going. But I remember the first match in Tala and seeing so many young girls and women and um, just families together and thinking, you know, we've really turned a corner here because for a lot of those other years, there wasn't very um, many women around. Around, I was thinking about this earlier, actually, that when I was, you know, you know, 11 or 12 and just getting into the kind of singing along and, you know, people shouting things. I, I went through this phase in Tolga Park of where, you know, if men were shouting something and my dad was kind of saying, you know, shut up or whatever I'd feel that it was okay for me to actually like respond to <laughs> them by shouting something back because um I, I, there was this kind of thing about like well, I, you know I was a little girl there and nobody would say say boo to me you know so I did I, I never felt kind of threatened by the Rovers fans because I kind of felt I suppose looked after or that you know like I was exempt from the kind of <laughs> other goings on because I was I was I was a woman um but one of the things I remember um really distinctly um is the 
in Talca Park and the toilets, trying to go to the toilet. Um, and the, the ladies were obviously just not functional, like nobody ever used them. Um, so there was no light bulb. And so you'd go in in the pitch dark and I'd literally have to feel my way into a cubicle, close the door. I'm not sure it even shut properly. There was no toilet roll, there was no anything. And you know, a couple of years, um, or sort of many years later, Shamrock Rovers got involved in this homeless period thing um, in uh, Tala, where you know they were making sanitary products available. And at that point, I went, God, it's like it's come so far from you know where I had to feel my way through a defunct toilet in order to, to use the facilities to what we have in Tala today, which is family friendly, male and female friendly. Um, so it was, you know, like there wasn't very many of you and like nobody, you know, really commented on it much that you were a girl supporting soccer. There was a bit of a novelty factor about it. But um, but yeah, it was nice over the years then to see the numbers grow, to see, you know, more women. You know, there was a phase where it was just um, dads and a couple of daughters. And then there was a phase where you had um, a couple of, I actually think even here in, in Morton Stadium, you would have had a couple of the players' girlfriends and you knew who they were because they were actually always very glamorous and very, you know, dressed up for the occasion. Um, and you'd get to know faces just like, I'm, I'm pretty sure Shane Robinson's girlfriend used to be among the, um, the crowds here at the time as well but um but then you know when, when we got to Tala and to see so many women and so many you know young girls and, and for them to be such a part of the club now and and playing with the club and everything it's just you know it's another world to, to where it started when I was 11. So they're, it's like having children they're all my favorite children <laughs> you don't have a favorite but um I, so I'm, I suppose my first favourite player, who was my first favourite, like, I mean, so my, my earliest memory of players are the likes of Derek Tracy and Mark Kenny and um, I remember, did you remember Terry Berry? <laughs> there was, you know, I remember going through those names in the, in, in the programmes and uh, Terry Palmer and, and stuff like that. But um, I suppose like, you know, like any child, Tony Cousins would have been one of the first heroes, you know, great goal scorers. Um, but I, I became, as everyone did, very fond of Gary Twig when he played for the club. And, uh, you know, what I liked about him was he really wore his heart on his sleeve and he looked like he really wanted to win. And he looked like he, you know, playing for Rovers meant something to him. Um, and you could always see the relationship between him and Michael O'Neill as well. And that you know relationship and communication they had between them and it was like a kind of father-son bond watching it on the pitch from from when he started playing for Shamrock Rovers I had a soft spot for Ronan Finn um, I just liked the way he conducted himself um, on the pitch and off the pitch um, I liked the way he played I liked his determination um, so um, in 2013 I had my first child um, in December and I called him Finn and instantly every Shamrock Rovers fan I knew and beyond um, you know started the rumour that I had named my firstborn after him. Um, it wasn't the case but I suppose it might have helped in, in terms of me liking the name and he soon went off to Dundalk not long after that so I was definitely not going to claim I'd, I'd uh, called my child after him but I'd still have an awful lot of time for Ronan Finn and uh, I just, you know, to see him, you know, re, you know, grow to the to the role of captain and to get the captain's armband, and then to see him lift the cup last year was a very special moment because he was somebody who was there in talent in the early days. You know, he'd gone off and he'd come back, um, and you know, there hadn't been a huge amount of success in between those periods. So to see him rewarded for that 
Um, you know, and also I can't forget Shane Robinson because uh, Shane Robinson is about the same age as me and um, he would have started playing for Rovers, I think around this time that we were in Morton Stadium. Um, and I used to watch his, his parents um, and his family here every week watching him. And I suppose just from being part of the club, you kind of almost, you know, you feel like some of the players are part of your own family. You've grown up with them. I've grown up with Shane Robinson and his involvement in and out of the club. And that time when we were in, in um, playing Flora Talon and him, you know, coming down to help out and stuff like that. Um, and now he's he's deeply involved in the club. So, you know, those those people who have kind of stayed with the club and stayed involved, you know. And I remember um, Jason Colwell as, as well, like, and you know, his father and and those kind of relationships. They're. I suppose the players that I think most of and, and associate most with and feel like I'm part of their family or that they're part of my family because they're part of the Rovers family. Yeah, uh, like I'm, again, <laughs> my memories can be vague, but you couldn't forget it. And it was just the, you know, the sense that this had happened and that, you know, you know, that that shell of a stadium that I passed on the N81 was now functioning. And, you know, there'd been controversy in the weeks running up to it about the colours of the seats and the, you know, various things like that. But just to walk inside and, you know, to go through the turnstile for the first time and come up those steps and look out onto the pitch and think, this is it, like we're here and, and it's happened. Um, you know, it was just really special and seeing all the, you know, First of all, the volume of people that were there, like when you thought, think back to somewhere like Morton Stadium and it was it was nearly empty. Um, there was just so many people there. This it wasn't just the players, families and friends anymore and the couple of diehards. It was, you know, members of the community. There was families. Um, there was, you know, media presence. There was everything. And there was an interest in Rovers again. And there was a bit of a momentum building. You could feel something was happening. And, um, you know, we had a good team, we had a good manager, and you just felt that, you know, th this was progress. Um, and I remember walking up the steps. Um, my dad is um, a creature of habit, <laughs> to say the least. And even when we would have come to Morton Stadium and Talca Park, we would have sat in exactly the same seat every single time. And if we, for any reason, couldn't sit in those seats and had to sit somewhere else, and we lost, dad would say that that was why we lost. You know, he's superstitious and he's a creature of habit. So as we walked up and we tried to find out and be very particular about where we sit, it wouldn't be, you know, right in the center line, it'd be slightly off. Um, and I remember walking up those steps to block C, which is where we still sit today and sitting down and thinking, I'm gonna sit in this seat for the rest of my life um, because, you know, this is where Rovers will be but also because my dad will never, <laughs> will never move. And, you know, I was, I was hopeful that we would win that first game so that he felt that there was a sense of luck associated with that seat that we wouldn't have to move again. But, um, but I do remember sitting there and seeing the crowds and seeing the ultras and um, just thinking, you know, it was magic. It was really magic. I don't think anybody who sat in the likes of Morton Stadium um, or spent years in Talca Park or spent time following us, you know, on that homeless period through different crowds could have ever imagined. And if you hadn't tried to make up a story and told people that what was going to happen was going to happen, they wouldn't have believed you and we wouldn't have believed it. Um, and it was like a fairy tale from there on in, like those couple of years from, you know, 2011 onwards they were they were magical and you know pinch yourself moments and I remember you know um, the Real Madrid um, game and all the hype that was surrounded that and 
you know, I'd said before that people didn't take that much of an interest in you being a Shamrock Rovers fan up until that point. And I worked in the media and, you know, people knew I supported Rovers, but nobody would really engage with you about it or they wouldn't really talk to you about it or they wouldn't ever ask you anything <laughs> about your knowledge of it or anything like that. But all of a sudden when, um, you know, Ronaldo was coming to town. Everybody wanted a piece of <laughs> a piece of Shamrock Rovers, and um, I held the key to it in the RTE newsroom. So, you know, I'd um, calls from all these different kind of programs asking me to, um, you know, get put them in touch with the people behind the club, fans. Um, you know, we used to joke that I was becoming an agent to a particular cohort of fans who I'd handpicked to go and do interviews, you know, about Rovers and could, you know, share their experiences and. Um, but it was just great to, to see that hype and to see that interest in Rovers and, um, you know, you know, the, you know, you just hearing it on the news headlines, reading about it in the newspapers and then that night, you know, going up there and like you're conscious of the fact that, you know, there's the, the diehard fans there and then there's the people who are there for the occasion, you know, but there's no harm in, you know, there'd be people who'd be very, you know, oh, this is, you know, a place for Shamrock Rovers fans and, uh, you know, we should be here and the rest of the people are just day trippers. But actually being able to invite people into the stadium on days and occasions like that, and particularly the kids, and for them to, to see that kind of hype and to see that kind of excitement around it. Like when I think back to Dalyman Park and I think all it took for me was a guy jumping on the, the cage celebrating to, to hook me in. Well, you know, if they've got Ronaldo and Del Piero sitting in the dugout, well then like, they're going to come back and and that's a great thing for the future of the club um it's a great thing for the league in general and um you know it, it, it was just it, it was a very special time and it was great to be able to have a place to call home to make the most of all of that being uh, you know on those okay we've been in modena and being in um uh the in, in white hart lane and go like i mean to see rovers on those stages you know were just astonishing and when we won the league um against bray after that 16 year wait um it wasn't straightforward and nothing ever felt straightforward about being a shamrock rovers fan and the overriding feeling that day was one of relief that we had just managed to do this and get the monkey off the back and it was a similar feeling then when we when we won the cup um the 25th cup as well that finally you know we'd managed to do it and again those closing moments of that game that nothing ever seemed to be straightforward um, and I remember when we were in uh, Modena for the the game against Juventus and all the hype that, that went along with that and all there was huge interest again um, I actually did a report I think it was probably the only time I would ever be allowed to, to, to go on RT and give my full opinion on something was um, I was introduced as a reporter and uh, reporter and uh, fan and I did a live report for the news at one from Modena about the build up to the game and how everyone was feeling and you know this club was on the brink of examinership and had no home and now here we are on the world stage um, but I remember that monsoon rain um, that lash down just before kickoff and thinking this isn't going to happen and we're all going to have to go home and we'll never get to see this match and it'll take place in two or three days time and there's always that feeling with Rovers that nothing is ever straightforward that nothing will ever happen seamlessly you know um, that there's always a bit of hard work and agonizing to get there and I suppose that sums up the whole Shamrock Rovers story whether it be getting to Tala and getting that stadium and um, winning the league winning the cup nothing 
ever run smoothly and and that's hard and it's frustrating but god is it rewarding at the end of it all when 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 things come together well i, I i've only recently been exposed to the the junior hoops and all that they get up to because my son is um he's almost seven now but he would have been last summer was the first time i took him to a game i had this image before i had a baby that i'd be um there with the baby carrier at the games you know watching the games and actually um uh, having a baby and the reality that that brought meant, you know, my, my son actually goes to bed at seven o'clock at the moment. So anytime he gets to go, to, it's actually very hard to bring him to a game because, um, you know, most of them are after eight o'clock in the evening. But um, during the summer um, of 2019, during the summer of 2019, I brought him to his first game in Tala. And um, I think I might have tweeted a picture or posted something on Facebook of him in his jersey. And uh, the junior hoops got in touch and said, bring him down to the back. You know, we have a goodie bag from. And I had no idea when I went down of the setup there. Um, and, you know, a couple of minutes later, he'd walked through the gates of Tala Stadium and he was, he was a flag bearer, you know, on the, on the pitch doing guard of honour. And I just thought, you know, they had all these kind of entertainers and they had a goodie pack with a sticker book um, and they had them all lined up with the flags and the excitement. And I just thought, like, this is so far from, you know, what I got when I went to my first um, Rovers game. Um, and it's just brilliant. Like it's, you know, and it is, he sat there during lockdown, actually, they sent us out the um, sticker books. I now have two children um, who are three and six and they sat there um, putting their stickers in, you know, and learning the names of the players. And um, my son has a bit of a, um, you know, a skewed view of football, you know, by virtue of being <laughs> um, the, the, the son of a Shamrock Rovers family. So I brought him to his first football um, game, or sorry, I brought him to his first football um, training session last year. Um, and he was going through a bit of a phase of deciding he wanted to be a goalkeeper. Um, so I told him that the Rovers purple away jersey was a goalkeeper jersey. And he went up um, and he entered into a sea of Spurs and Liverpool jerseys as he, as he played away. And he came back out after football. And I wouldn't have thought there was even a consciousness at that age about it. And he said to me, Mommy, our Shamrock Rovers no good. And I said, no, they're, you know, we're the best in, in the country and uh, most successful club in Ireland. You know, what are you, what are you saying? And he says, those guys say that Liverpool are better than um, Shamrock Rovers and so are Spurs. And I said, will you tell them <laughs> that they're wrong, that Shamrock Rovers are the greatest club in Ireland? And uh, he went back the following week and he came off again. He said, they still said that Shamrock Rovers isn't as good as the others. And I was like, well, you know, they, they, they haven't played in the same league. So, look, he, you know, like me, I never had a great engagement with the, the Premier League. My dad would have supported Spurs as a young boy um, and I had a soft spot for Liverpool when I was younger. But I've never really engaged or followed the Premier League. You know, I've only ever had one league and it's been this one. I've only ever had one team and it's been Shamrock Rovers. And, um, you know, in a world where you know everyone else is following the Premier League it was kind of hard to explain that to people but even now I think the kids that he was dealing with they they knew what Shamrock Rovers were and I think that's a you know a bigger step than it would have been when I was smaller but um the junior hoops thing is definitely it's encouraged him to um 
to come back and then I suppose the highlight of his um, time supporting Rovers was that um, he was lucky enough to be picked to be mascot for the cup final um, when in, in, in November 2019 and um, like if I wasn't nervous about that match anyway add in your child <laughs> walking onto the pitch and trying to make sure that he'll be okay um, and uh, it, it kind of put me over the edge but there was there was lovely symmetry about it because um, I was five the last time Rovers won a cup and I'd spent all of my my life um, here in the Shamrock Rovers with the cup specialists and I'd never seen Rovers win a cup and it, it was the monkey, the big monkey on our back for all that time. and. Um, so when Finn was picked to be mascot, I just thought it was lovely for my dad that um, that Finn would be a part of this occasion and that we'd all have this to remember and we'd be able to show him the pictures in years to come. But I was also conscious that if we didn't win, that I wasn't sure if my dad, being as superstitious as he would, would ever let Finn go to a game again. You know? <laughs> so, um, and you know, he was he's five years old and um, he really didn't get what was going on. I mean, even trying to get the jersey and the socks to fit him, you know, to get him out on the pitch that day. Um, and, you know, he knew, you know, I taught him a couple of songs, polite versions of them and, you know, he knew what he was involved with was a big deal um, and working in the media I had every photographer I knew and every cameraman I knew trained <laughs> to make sure they got a good shot of him for me so that the grannies back home could watch but seeing him out there um, and we would no idea beforehand who they were going to walk out with and he kept saying to me do you think I can walk out with Ronan Finn because I have the same name as him and I was saying oh I don't know and look just take whoever's hand takes you you know they'll all mind you and he walked out um, with Jack Byrne and Jack Byrne's mother was standing beside me. Um, you're in this kind of, we had to go to a separate area. The, the, the mascots, um, there was, you know, a couple, there was lots of mascots that day. Um, and you all had to go to this particular area. And I was very concerned that I wasn't going to be able to sit with my dad. So they were saying, no, you can just go for the, as they go out onto the pitch and when they come back, and then you can go back and join your family. So, um, it was also the same place where the players' families were obviously sitting. So I was trying to find the best position to see Finn, thinking he would be able to see me back. But of course, he, once he was out on the pitch, he couldn't see anything, only the thousands of people. And um, I was there going, Finn, Finn, you know, waving, killed waving. And beside me was, I just read an article that Dan McDonnell had done in The Independent a week or two before about Jack Byrne and his mother, Jackie. And it was one of the most... Um, beautiful pieces of writing you'll ever come across and just a great story um, so I felt like I knew Jackie and she was there going Jack Jack and the two of us were waving in exactly the same direction but um, it was just such a special moment to see him out there um, you know lined up alongside Jack Byrne um, he was so excited because just before he's a big fan of Michael D Higgins as most kids are because there's these um, kids books based on the president um, and he was really excited about meeting him and uh, the, um, he kept saying, what will I say to him? He was asking me what, what he would say to the president. Oh, he was going to ask the president, is he going to, why quit, can't he run again? Because he was, I suppose we talk politics in my house quite a lot because of my job. And uh, um, I'd explained to him that Michael D. Higgins was on his second term and he couldn't run again for president. And he was saying, I'm going to ask him why he can't run again. And I was saying, no, that's probably not the time to be talking to him about that. Maybe just say it's nice to meet you. But I could see on the screen they were panning along the, uh, the, um, the, the, the players and the mascots. And Finn licked his hand before he got to um, Michael D. Higgins. 
um, to kind of clean it off, to shake his hand and then, uh, but you know, then, then we, so we had that part, which was the, the lovely part of it and, and the excitement. And he was, you know, on quite a buzz after that. Um, then we went back to join my dad um, and a couple of my friends who were sitting over um, at that side of the stadium. And uh, I mean, having him there was just so special um, to share in, in what happened. But um, one of my friends who was there took a video of, um, the moment the penalty was scored and Finn is on one side of me and my dad is on the other side and me and my father jump into each other's arms um, you know and jump up and down embracing each other and poor Finn is left you know going what's happened what's going on so um, I'm still sure not sure to this day he quite gets what he was a part of but at least in years to come we'll be able to tell him he had you know his one of his earliest you know memories of supporting Rovers is that special time. I just hope to God that there's more of them to come from. So that was Samantha and uh, Prof, you you don't know the excitement that fills me for this documentary. Like, never, <laughs> mind the, never mind the interview, I cannot wait for this documentary. Genuinely. I love your excitement. Telling man. everybody yeah. I know, oh the plans, I am I am premier coordinator. <laughs> I have all this shit planned and I ha- praying it can be COVID free. You can rent out like a cinema. Why not? Why not rent out like the IFSC or the Lighthouse or something? We might as well get it done properly. You have appointed yourself in this position. Yes, pr- pretty much. Pretty much, yeah. So, um, the afters as well, a venue sort for, ah, oh, it's <laughs> just going to be a two-day, three-day thing. Oh, can't wait, can't wait. But excellent stuff from Samantha, yeah. as expected. And um, put to bed the rumour of the Ronan Finn mm-hmm. naming of her child. Yeah, I'd open the programme every year and it's like Ronan Finn sponsored by the Liberi family so I was always like hmm and her son's name is Finn eh so just another way to whet the appetite for yeah. the Take Me Home documentary but uh, yeah, no, fantastic stuff and uh, like I said the, the the original interview was even longer than that so she, she had plenty to say and it was great uh, and expanded United Union Cup was announced the 2020 and 2021 champions of the league each side of the border will compete in next year's competition this season's edition is cancelled um, what are you thinking of that um, I still can't take it seriously as a, a legitimate cup is legitimate the right word to say as like a coveted cup where like the FAI Cup in the league it'll take a long 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 time for it to ever become anything no. like that it won't last that long either the Santa Cup did start great it just kind of falls off. That was a big it? deal because that was the first cross border yeah. competition. Plus, it was a few quid, wasn't there? It was the first since since what, like the early eighties. Yeah. So uh, it was already a big deal. I was hoping we'd, we'd at least get the one off game, or I know it's a two legged playoff, isn't it? It will be, yeah. Yeah, like the Dundalk one last year, didn't they? I was hoping we get that this year, but we'll have to wait until next year. Yeah. So it'll be us and whoever finishes runner up to us next year will be entering. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Oh, is getting confident here. Yeah. yeah so, uh, yeah, and congratulations to Alan Hardy, the winner of the number eighteen painting raffle off for Peter House last mm-hmm. week. So, one five five zero fifteen hundred quid was raised in the initiative. So, fair play to everyone who bought a ticket. Um, I heard very, the reason, very, very uh, cool photo. I believe the reason Alan won is because somebody involved in this podcast picked a number at random. Oh, is that right? You picked so, the winner. Maybe, maybe a thank you is in order. Maybe an eight pack can of Guinness. Just, just saying. Yeah, just saying. Guinness is on yeah. the. Uh, Guinness is has taken over at the minute, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Guinness fever has taken over the Tifties WhatsApp group, and um, 
it's only kind of happened since the Guinness has, this is this is an observation it's only kind of happened since the Guinness has gotten worse than a can because <laughs> it's a 470 yeah. without a widget now it's got a fast relief a fast action widget at the bottom of it instead of a floating ball widget and now yeah. everyone's drinking fucking Guinness like nuts but the widgets are missing in the single cans and the slabs isn't it but yeah, still, yeah you can still get them Still in the four pack and the eight pack. Still get them somewhere, but I had a couple of nice creamy ones out of Penny Hill, a few takeaways, and yeah. I have to say, you just can't be a point. You just it, can't be a I, point. I've been absolutely flabbergasted to see the rise of it. And you can see it in our chat. Just selfies of it constantly. Yeah. And normally I'm like the last person to join a fad. Normally like I'm the I'm late to the party. I'm like, oh I better hop on this bandwagon. In this case, I've been drinking cans of Guinness since March. And then this fad began like a month ago. I'm like, cool. We even had a golden Guinness Everyone's idea. Everyone's doing it now. Yeah, so what we're going to do is... Yeah, it's the fad now, isn't it? So what we're going to do is we're going to have... I think we're going to do this. Um, we're going to see who can neck a point of Guinness the quickest. And they'll win C-Block's jersey that we sponsored. So we have to come up with a method of timing it properly and correctly. Yeah. And that everyone can use this method so we can get a fair winner. Well, I won't, I won't be winning that combination. The golden Guinness, yeah. We've seen Barney not- neck one in four seconds, I think it was. I can probably just about neck one, but I won't be beating for There was a fella in the job, he's still in the job actually, and he, he's got, like he's, he's like a fucking boa constrictor. He can just open up his neck and swallow. <laughs> it's like he just throws the point in. He just goes, yeah. and it goes in. Doesn't use his neck to swallow, just throws it down there. It's it's strange, so... Uh, should we save it though? We won't be, yeah, yeah, no, it's a thing of beauty, isn't it? It's actually, we had a Guinness section on Gogglebox, believe it or not the last week and at one stage like they're giving you Guinness and you have to pour it in different ways so you're doing dump Guinness you're doing the regular Guinness dump uh, the pour the dump you're doing like a trick shot and stuff like that but then they were like so why do you like Guinness and I, I just started looking at the point while it was settling and I was like well it's it's a thing of beauty it's dun, 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 it's a velvety dun, 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 dun. gorgeous creamy <laughs> point and they were like Gary Gary I was just staring at it like Gary Say something. I was like, oh, sorry, sorry. Just staring into the beautiful, creamy, velvety point that was Guinness. But, uh, yeah, so that's the Guinness section, Prof. We get them to sponsors. Yeah. Ryan LeGrew as well. Uh, another Crumlin native hotbed of talent D12. And uh, he was featured on Extra.ie as well. And one of our favourite hoops mm-hmm. is Ryan LeGrew. They called him a super fan, which he, he wasn't happy with. He hates the term super fan. He, he hates it. He hates it a lot. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not. Let's, even, let's not even go down that road. But yeah, Ryan's nah. a top, top lad. No, nah, it was a very good interview. Jordan yeah. Flores, Prof the Shank. The Shank made it to uh, into the Puskas Award this year. Like, Surely they saw all the angles. Maybe the athletic, athleticism of the year, maybe. But something like that, the way he stretched out. But like that's... I don't think it should be nominated. That's not being biased. But I just... From all angles, it's not that good of a goal. It's hard because it was scored against us. It's hard for us to not sound biased. Yeah. But like you say, it's the angle. When you watch it from the first angle, it looks like his his boo has just it been. He's hit the ball at a ridiculous angle. It's like how has he got his foot up there? Yeah. And then you watch it from the other angle. It's like no, it's actually just an excellent sort of scissor kick goal. Yeah. That hits Manus's hands and into the top corner. Manus te- technically an own goal, <laughs> but that's for another debate. It's an excellent goal, 
But like, if I was ranking like the Puskas award, it'd be like in, it'd be forty or something. Yeah, it'd be in top fifty maybe. Yeah. Jack Bourne's ahead of it. Also, I like watching it back because you know what's coming next. Yeah, it doesn't count for anything. <laughs> That's the whole other season. There was a better goal scored in the same game. So, probably I'm gonna let you take this one away. Um, this this one flabbergasted was the word I think used. Did I use that word? I don't know. I think I used. It. I like using hmm. that word. I like the word astounded. Astounded and flabbergasted. Yeah, now this is unbelievable. Consider the prof humbled. I've been humbled by this. He even fed the prisoners today. <laughs> he even fed them. It's like, do you know what? The trap door has been raised and he gave them the scraps. I'm in a good mood now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I posted this, or put up the fundraiser on Thursday morning. When I got home from work, it was at 1,000. After 24 hours, it was at one and a half thousand. And then, by the end of the Harps game, we'd already reached the goal of 2,000. Then it just kept going. Siobhan Madigan threw us a tenner, apparently. <laughs> I'm sure Thanks, Siobhan! <laughs> I'm sure someone just used her name, but still. I liked, I like to think that she herself gave us a tenner. I uh, think I'll... <laughs> donate! To the props, cause... <laughs> Uh, uh, someone called Fuck Donate Fuck RTE Donated Excellent, Excellent. Oh, I, yeah. I, I knew though Didn't I yeah. tell you this Before recording I think it was two weeks ago it Says if you said this Go for me up You would be fucking shocked It will Come And it will just It will Double triple quickly And you'll have Whatever you need At least the bar tab We know right. sorted anyway So it's been It's been stuck on Just shy of 3000 now For a few days so uh, I guess it's going to peak there. Not that I'm complaining. I mean, two thousand nine hundred and eighty-seven euro. Here's here's the here's the appeal. Two thousand nine eight seven. Yeah. Right. The fifties WhatsApp group will look after that. Bump it up to three three grand. There's your little uh, RTE or not RTE? Sorry, Jesus. Uh, your documentary fund. Case yeah. closed. Boom. That's what I was going to say. Actually, the first person into this. How about this? First person into this who donates exactly thirteen euro <gasps> and gets it to three thousand. We're going to have to think of some special prize. Maybe a guaranteed seat at the premiere. Oh, I think yeah. I like that. And the goodie bag that we're putting together yeah. as well. Maybe a few guineas out of my fridge. A few guineas out of that at the pre-bar, at the yeah. cinema that we're renting. Yeah. Along with closed doors. Oh, yes. this is. I'm getting, I'm getting ideas, Prof. That's I'm exactly ideas. 13 euro, right? But what if someone oh, donates a fiver and then someone donates a... Whoever hits Ooh. it, bang on the tree. Yeah. Right? So that's what you have to do. Yeah. And as You know who's going to do this? Craig Matt. Well, he's he's a great man for donating a huge amount. Yeah, but he likes tipping it over every so often. Oh, is that it? Yeah, he's one of these guys. Yeah, yeah. he's like it's a big red button on the wall. He says, "Do not yeah. push." He's pushing it. Shout out as well. I don't want, don't want to single people out because I appreciate absolutely everybody who gave, but a few people you know who you are went above and beyond mm-hmm. the donation. Yeah, crazy, uh, crazy amounts. So I'm like massively appreciate that. But as Mooner pointed out. With this uh, documentary GoFundMe, with the Rovers one, and Anthony's, all combined, that's the best part of 60,000 raised. <laughs> Give yourselves a clap, Rovers. It just shows you what happens. We dig deep, don't we? Yeah, I have an article in the program about it. You can buy it. You can order that today, actually, the digital version, uh, for Sunday. And the physical copy, you can get that from next week. So. I have a little article about the documentary. 
everything I've done so far everything me and Kane have done so far excellent, excellent. How, how it's going so be interested in that really looking forward to this two good Rovers lads making movies about Rovers we'll talk about uh, something to look forward to so uh, yeah next up we have starting 11s and predictions <laughs> Okay, I'm hearing bad news about Greener. So, mm. um, Greener's out. Somebody witnessed him on crutches. Yes, he is on crutches and he is out. So, unless, I mean, if you're on crutches, you surely are out for a game in a couple of days' time. So, I hope he doesn't. Does that mean he's out for the final? Everyone has sent me yet, will you stop? <laughs> yeah, but I mean, the final. Fucking jinx and bastard you. Final isn't like what's the what's today Thursday. Jeez, I'm surprised at you. Final's in ten days' time. Either way, I'm gonna go with my starting eleven. Before you just skip the semi and win the final, I'm gonna go with my starting eleven. It's a tough one. Defense is tough. I'm gonna go with Manus. I'm gonna go Scales, Pico, and Joey. I'm gonna drop Grace. Unfortunately, it's mm-hmm. <sighs> is it is a bad day at the office. A bad day at the office, and unfortunately, he. He's been replaced with someone who's had a great season and who played well. And that's how tough it is to get into this team at the minute. Is that if you make a mistake and you get taken out of the team, you're out and you have to earn your way back in. So unfortunately, that's how it is. Uh, Cabo on the left. Um, Finner on the right. I'm going to have... Oh, God, wait. Still no Gary O'Neill, it seems. It's going to be tough enough to put in there because we have to. We, we were told that he was fit for the Shelburne game, and that was a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. So. We never actually spoke about how you hope about Greener. Can we mm-hmm. put Borky up into that role? Can Borky play that role? I don't think so. And who else have we got? That's not going to be a Lua. Alright, I'm going to go Finn on the right. I'm going to have Jack, Watts, McInef, Borky. And ooh, Gary O'Neill and the Borky up top. A disciplined Borky. Did you say Borky twice there? Yes, I probably. Did. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, let me think. On who are we gonna play up front? Folks in the cloud. You can't. Yeah, someone said that to me last night. He says you're just playing a box, don't you? Like, yeah, it's a cloud. I'm not. Who are we gonna play up front? Do you know? Do you know what this squad has? Yeah. Great- Discord, no, go on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Dino. has great depth, but striker our weakest, our weakest points are our goalkeeper and our striker. Jeez. We don't have Manus or Green. We've no plan B. Either. <laughs> it's kind of the kind of the spine. Yeah, uh, I'm gonna go Dino. Dino at the top of the Christmas tree. Borky on the left and Jack on the right, as the way it's done on the the pot on the Twitter on the tweets, the team sheet tweets, and uh, Cav on the left, Finner on the right. But McInef, um O'Neill, Watts, and Watts, and then the defence, as I said, it was. It's a tough team to pick when you've no striker. Prediction. Uh two 0 Yeah, no, I agree with your team. The two subs last week played their way in. Uh, Cabo and Pico. Uh, Gary O'Neill has to come in now so excited about Cabo Gary O'Neill has to come in if he's fit yeah because we've no greener um, so yeah I guess Berkey up top um, I would rather Berkey up top than Dino 
can Borky do the Dino can do the mm. the the role that Greener does. Borky is possibly too indisciplined to do that. I'd rather Dino come on have the option after an hour if we're still uh if still level maybe. Jeez, we've no real options though when you're on the bench for my mm. team. Could switch it up somehow, put Borky up and then bring him a failure on, you know, but either way, what's your prediction? Prediction is I think we're gonna scrape a one 0 win. Oh, scrape a one 0 win. Who's got? Who's getting it? Goal scored by. I'm gonna go McInniff again. McInniff. Continue the goal scoring run. In form, keep his Ireland play. So that is it for this week. And unfortunately, once again, it is closed doors. We won't get to see the semi, but we will be watching it on. Uh, it's not not on RT actually. Yeah, traditionally, the two semi-finals are yeah. on RT on the Sunday, but ours is only on Watch Illinois. Once again, it's a. Uh, by the way, by the way, a nice tie-in with the documentary. Last ever game in Milltown was a FAI Cup semi-final against Ligo. Ah, there we go, yeah. And we have one of the jerseys that's worn right behind you there, Prof, in that game. So, mm-hmm. once again, it's uh, been fantastic having you listening to us. And um, here's to here's to the Aviva, Prof. Keep on hoping. See ya. Another year